Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season three, episode 13, Midnight Riders, series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams, written by Jim Henshaw, directed by Alan Eastman, original air date, January 29th, 1990. Okay, so we're back with season three, episode 13, Midnight Rider. Kim is off this week, so Doug is stepping in once again, so we can have a little break from listening to just me on my own, and she'll be back soon. (laughs) Hi, I'm here. So when I first saw the actor who played Jack's father, Cawley, when he first came out of the truck, I was sure it was Jack in makeup playing some future version of Jack. I could see that. There's definitely similarities. And then when we found out it was Jack's father, I was more convinced that it was Jack in a lot of makeup playing the part, but I looked it up and it wasn't him. It was an actor um, named Dennis Thatcher. So another thing about this episode is that we don't have a cursed antique. Jack, Mickey, and Johnny just happened into a supernatural situation that includes Jack's father. But before I realized there was no antique, I was thinking that the dragon was going to be the antique that they might be searching for. But the dragon turned out to be a person and not an antique. Right. They kept saying, dig up the dragon. And I was like, okay, it must be some antique that they buried. Right. Yeah. We begin with Mickey, Johnny, and Jack out looking at stars in some town. Jack tells a story about certain planets converging in 1972 on the same date. And legend has it that when they converge again, as they were beginning to do that night, the past can repeat itself. They all thought it was a very interesting legend. Meanwhile, a little bit away from where Jack, Mickey, and Johnny are, Penny and Tommy are parking. Penny's nervous about the stories about the headless motorcycle rider. And as always happens in horror stories, Tommy scoffs and tells her that it's just a made-up story. But of course, a motorcycle gang, the Dragon Riders, ride up. And after learning Tommy's last name, they try to grab both of them. Callie, who has just walked into town, yells for them to stop. While Jack, Mickey, and Johnny notice that something is going on and drive over there. The head biker seems to know Callie and says, tonight we finish. The bikers drive away. Mickey and Johnny go to see if Tommy and Penny are all right. And Jack notices Callie still standing there and realizes that the man standing there is his father, who he hasn't seen or heard from in 10 years. So after the intro, we come back to the sheriff lecturing the kids about parking in that spot. He recognizes Callie. He's surprised to see him and says it's been a long time. Callie says it's been 17 years, which in this time period would have been 1972, the same year Jack was saying was the last time the planets converged. So they all go back into town, and Penny's mother reprimands her about seeing Tommy. Later on, Penny's mother tells Tommy's father that they were supposed to be keeping the kids apart. So immediately I knew that we were going to find out that Penny and Tommy were half-brother and sister, because there's no reason why they should be keeping them apart. Okay, I didn't pick up on that. They gave that away kind of early. Penny's mother seems to recognize Collie as well. Mickey and Johnny drive Penny home. While Penny's mother, who's a doctor, takes Tommy to the clinic to check out his injuries. Jack's father disappears before they go into the sheriff's office to give their statements. Back over with the bikers, we learn that they're dead. When the guy says, it sucks being dead or whatever he said. (laughs) I hate this being dead thing. And they came back to take revenge on the people who killed him. The lead biker says there's only three left. The sheriff, Randolph, Betts, Tommy's father, and air quotes the girl, who we can assume is Penny's mother. If all three are dead when the last planet aligns, they get the dragon back, and they will have their lives back, and the old man, Collie, will get what he deserves. 
If it wasn't before, it's really apparent now that Cawley was involved in whatever happened in this town when these bikers were killed. So Penny tells Mickey and Johnny about the headless biker legend. All I could think of was that costume he wore at Halloween. The headless horseman costume. Remember that costume? Yes. Yeah, that's all I kept thinking about. So I get where the story comes from, Cawley chopping the head off the biker named Dragon. But at this point, we haven't heard that part of the story. So it's easy to believe that because we have a gang of dead bikers, that some biker is driving around looking for heads, which he isn't. So there's kind of no reason for this myth to exist. They know this was the leader of the club. Right. But I'm not sure that anybody else other than the sheriff, Penny's mother, Tommy's father, and Callie know that Callie chopped off the guy's head. Nobody knows that this biker lost his head, I, I don't think, except for those four people. And if other people know, then there's something else that doesn't make sense. Certain people know because they keep saying, tell them the truth. Tell them, the, where is he? Tell us. Right. Those four people they, know. They know. That's right. it. Yeah. Then again, there's no reason for this myth to be around if nobody knows that this actually happened. Yeah. Well, like they said, every town has their Sleepy Hollow legend or their yeah. swamp legend or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, the dark road legend, whatever. Don't go down there. The green lady's there. You know, uh, every town seems to have that, and that, to them, that's what it is. I guess right. just a legend. But it seems specific to what happened. Is my point. But it just didn't make sense. It felt like they threw that myth in there to throw us off on what was happening because it didn't make sense to me. Anyway, Callie shows up to talk to Penny's mother and Tommy's father. He says he needs to know where they buried him, or it'll be the end of them all. Callie seems to understand what's happening. He tells them that the bikers came back from the dead to find the dragon. This is the point where I understood the dragon was a person and not an antique. Callie has to rebury the dragon in consecrated ground, and the truth must be told. This is the only way to save them and the town. So the sheriff tells Jack that he knows his father because he came to town 17 years ago when he was still a deputy and makes it clear that he doesn't want Jack's father to stay around long. But then the sheriff leaves to go to the spot where the kids were attacked to look around. And he's going alone, so we already know that he'll be dead soon. And he was. Before they killed him, they tried to get him to tell him where the dragon is buried. And he says he doesn't know. This doesn't make sense either. (laughs) Because it feels like they need to know where the dragon's buried so they could dig him up. Mm -hmm. But they kill him. He doesn't tell him. Later, they kill Penny's mother. She doesn't tell him. And the dragon comes to life anyway. So why are they running around looking for the dragon when all they have to do is kill these three people and the dragon comes back to life? I don't know. I don't know either. So Tommy's father gets freaked out when the phones go dead and he leaves the house. Jack finds his father in time to see the bikers dragging the body into town. Tommy's father sees it too. Callie tells him again that everything will happen just like before unless Randall tells him where the body's buried. Randall goes to Cynthia and tells her that everything is happening all over again. She doesn't believe him until the lights go out. And then Randall tells Cynthia to get Penny out of there and leaves as Penny's asking her mother what's going on. So back at the sheriff's office, Johnny figures out that the writers are cutting the town off from everyone else. There's only one road in and out of town. Callie finally tells them that the bikers want revenge. He tells them the story of what happened 17 years ago. A couple were parking and a motorcycle gang came through town and roughed them up. The sheriff arrested the leader named the Dragon. He thought arresting this guy and throwing him in jail would make the rest leave town, but they swore they would be back. So the girl who was roughed up said she'd been raped. The sheriff went after these bikers, 
who told him that the girl was lying. And they killed him when he tried to arrest them. One sheriff tried to arrest all these guys. And they dragged them through the streets as they did with the current sheriff. Then they cut off the town just as they're doing now. So Clayton, the now dead current sheriff, who was still a deputy at the time, waited with the townspeople for the bikers to ride through and shot all of them. So while all of this was going on, the dragon tried to escape, and Collie grabbed an axe and took his head off as he drove by. So afterwards, Collie found out that the girl, Cynthia, who's Penny's mother, hadn't been raped at all. She said that to save her reputation because she was pregnant. Got it now. Now I got it. You, it takes me a while. You seem shocked that I said they were siblings. I, I deserve that line. That's fine. <laughs> so the town burned the bodies. So this is the part where I was a little confused that we were just talking about. So earlier, I was wondering, if all these bikers were killed, and I assumed were buried, why is it just the dragon who had to be buried in consecrated ground? If they were all killed by the people in town, why was it just the one who has to be dug up to be reburied for this to work? But now we know they burned all the bodies. Why did they burn all the bodies and not burn dragon's body? This doesn't make sense unless the rest of the town didn't know they, that Collie killed the dragon. As I was assuming earlier, which has to be it, but I still don't know why the bikers are running around asking people where the body is when they didn't need to know. Right. He just came back to life. Anyway, we're not there yet. So Randall's out walking around at night again. If somebody's after you, you just go take a stroll around town. He goes into the church because he thinks he sees Collie there, but it's the bikers. And they want to know where the body is, and Randall begs for his life. And they let him start running and chase him with their bikes. They kill him in the street as Tommy runs out of their house, and Jack, Johnny, and Mickey, and Collie come around the corner. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Coley tells him the only way to make this stop is to bury the dragon in consecrated ground. When he's at peace, the bikers will be as well. But they have to do it before the final planet converges at sunrise. If they don't do this, then all of them, including the dragon, will come back to life. And this is when I realized that Kali was dead. He tells them that Cynthia is the last person who has to die to make them live again. Kali also knows that he isn't personally included in the biker gang's murder plan because the dragon is the only one who has to settle a score with Kali because he's the one who killed him. So Jack sends Johnny to get the car and shovels while Jack, Mickey, and Tommy go to see Cynthia and Penny. They confront her, and the truth comes out. She wasn't raped. She said that to save her reputation. She tells them that they buried the body in Weaver's Field by the old well, where she and Randall used to go when they were young. So Penny is Randall's daughter. I guess she was trying to save her reputation because she was already pregnant with Randall's baby. 
The preacher. The preacher. Right. Right. So could have come up with a different story than that one, but that's what she came up right. with. <laughs> yeah. And then they also said because her boyfriend was going to Bible school and they didn't want to ruin his reputation. So, you know, right. it was random. So let your daughter grow up thinking that she is a biker rape victim. You know, but she doesn't. That's a good point. Because the truth did come out that she didn't get raped. But I think she grew up thinking she was the daughter of this father who died before she was born. Okay. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. She doesn't think that she's a biker's daughter. No. No. She thinks her father died before she was born. Okay. Right. I didn't even think of that. That's a good point. Like we said, Penny's Randall's daughter. Penny's upset finding this out. But the two of them are not as upset or repulsed as I thought they should be since they're like dating. So Cynthia goes to get her coat to go to Weaver's Field with the rest of them, and the bikers are already in her room. They throw everyone around downstairs who tries to stop them, and they take Cynthia. Johnny shows up and is able to get Cynthia away from them and tells her to run, but she just stands there and lets the guy hit her with the bike. So the bikers leave thinking that this was the last death needed, but she's still alive, and Collie says that since she's still alive, they still have a chance. Jack sends Johnny to dig a grave in the cemetery. Johnny does all the manual labor, if you didn't notice. He's always one knocking people out or digging holes. (laughs) (laughs) So unlike Ryan. Mickey and Jack leave Collie at the house with the dying Cynthia, Penny, and Tommy and go to the well to dig up the dragon. The bikers gather and wait for the dragon to show up. Again, they're waiting for him to show up. So why are they running around looking for where he was buried? And when he doesn't, they realize that Cynthia must not be dead. So they head back to kill her for real this time. But Cynthia does die before Jack and Mickey finish digging up the dragon. And the dragon and his bike come up from underground. And they watch him attach his head to his body. And he has an axe. They must have buried the axe with him that was used to kill him. So Collie was in the middle of walking Penny and Tommy somewhere. But here's the growl of the dragon and leaves them by themselves outside and runs in the direction of the sound. The bikers hear the sound as well and head in the same direction. Jack and Mickey make it to the car. And I think it was Tommy's car that was left there from the attack earlier because they had a hot wire it. Yeah, didn't he say it was parked in the field or something? Yeah, but how did they get to the well? I don't know. Another one of those things. Yeah, I meant to pay attention this last time because I forgot I had that question. Because they got to the well somehow, but then they had a hot wire car, which I think was Tommy's that they left there. I think so. Yeah, so I don't know. But anyway, they hot wire it and drive away with the dragon following. They end up hitting him with the car and head to the cemetery to find Johnny. Collie shows up there as well. And then the dragon arrives. In the meantime, the other bikers have Tommy and Penny surrounded because they're walking around outside in the dark by themselves, holding hands like they're not brother and sister. (laughs) I don't know. Seriously. I I wanted to see a little more reaction. I mean, these two have been making out for however long they've been dating. And now they find out they're brother and sister and they don't even look like disgusted or anything. (laughs) And they're still walking around holding hands and hugging each other. Anyway, back at the cemetery, Johnny and Mickey run to the grave. Johnny dug. Crowley tells Jack that he can't go into the cemetery because he hasn't earned the right to walk on consecrated ground. He's actually dead. He died 10 years ago, and they buried him at sea. So he came back to redeem himself for killing the dragon and dying with that unresolved death on his soul. He makes Jack leave him at the cemetery entrance to face the dragon and tells him that they have to get the dragon into the grave. So the dragon drives at Collie, who disappears right as he's about to hit him with the axe. 
The dragon drives into the cemetery and Johnny knocks him off the bike with the shovel and pushes him in the grave. As they all begin to fill in the grave, the bikers heading toward Penny and Tommy disappear. Quali is also gone, just in time for the plans to align and it's over. So Jack wonders what's happening to his father now. Did he redeem himself? And as he wonders, Johnny points out a shooting star and they all choose to believe that it's Collie and that he's made it to heaven, I guess. I know you don't want me to ask you what you thought about the episode, but... Well, you know, it, there's a lot of stuff to figure out, a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. So you have, just have to let your mind go and take it for what it is, and they all lived happily ever after. Yeah, I mean, other than the things that didn't make sense, which uh, some episodes there's a lot more of things that didn't make sense, so as episodes go, there was only a couple things that I had a problem with. But I did like the story. I did like that it was different. I did like that it didn't have anything to do with them hunting an antique. That they yeah. just happened upon this story in this town where Jack's father happened to show up. Yeah. So I did like that. I, I like when they switch it up. A little bit of unexpected work there. But uh, the other thing, too, is uh, possibly they had to cut out a certain amount of material and still have it make some sense. Well, that's true. And we've discovered that because the the girl who wrote the book, Curious Good, she wrote it about this show. Okay. And there's a recap for every episode. Although I stopped looking at it because I like to form my own opinions. I mm-hmm. mean, I'll read it when we're done with this. That but makes sense. There were a couple things that she mentioned in the book that I never saw in the episode. More than once, there were things that she said in her recaps that weren't in the episode. I tweeted her about it, and she said that she has the first-run DVDs, like whenever the first DVDs came out. But whenever that was, she has the first run. I know we don't have the first run, but they cut them different, you know, for time and for syndication. Yeah. So it's possible that some of this isn't there. That's definitely a possibility. They think that they seem to think the story out pretty good, but the little details may have been there originally. Possibly. Yeah, it's possible. And how do we take that out but still try to keep the story going? That's what they end up with. That, that would make sense. Yeah. Other than that, no, there wasn't enough thought put into it <laughs> to fill in these little details that don't make sense. I think now that we're in season three, I say that every week because I'm expecting there to be an ongoing story or some kind of explanation or I'm expecting everything to make sense. And I've come to figure out that everything doesn't make sense because I think this was just written for the horror aspect of it. Yeah. And there's not really a lot of attention paid to continuity or story mm-hmm. you know as episodes go there was a lot less that didn't make sense for me and it could be me because i do overthink things because i'm expecting there to be some kind of explanation for things and sometimes you know i could overthink things i'm guilty of that and they could overwrite it too where it becomes boring with all these little details that they're trying to put in yeah. and it drags on yeah so there's a lot of possibilities why yeah. some of these things don't make sense yeah but in the end, after you think it out, you come up with a, pretty much what the story is. Yeah, and I actually like the story, other than the little things that didn't make sense. I mean, I'm getting used to that not bothering me too much, but I'm still going to bring it up because I have to because it doesn't make sense. But <laughs> I did like the story. And other people might be saying, you know, I looked at this episode and it didn't make sense. <laughs> so <laughs> don't feel left out by that. Yeah. You're not the only ones, that's for sure. Yeah, as episodes go, there wasn't that much that didn't make sense. And I like the story. And sometimes I like the story in spite of the things that I don't think make sense. And just because I don't think they make sense doesn't mean somebody else... They might have picked right up on it. This makes perfect sense. Right. <laughs> right. So, right. So, anything else? Not really. They have five bikers. 
You really only see two of them. Right. You see a third one for a glimpse. Uh, and the other two, I it's just, not part of the story. It's just an observation. Yeah, just shadows. Yeah, but uh, there's two less people they have to pay. <laughs> so I, I get it. It was just an observation. It means nothing. But I did notice that. Yeah. I just, and I said while we were watching it, I mean, the episode is, is supposed to be at night, but it drives me crazy when the whole thing's dark because it's even harder to see what's going on. Everything was in the dark. Yeah, pretty much every scene. Because yeah. they lit up the um, the preacher, Belts. Right, right, name. right. They lit him up with five headlights from the bikes. Right. <laughs> that was about the only light that you see in the show. <laughs> yeah. It's just hard for me to figure out who's who. Like when Mickey and Jack were digging at the well, you couldn't even tell it was them. So I don't really have that much on this episode. I liked it. It was a good one, I thought. All right. So if there's nothing else... um. We'll be back for whatever episode is next, and Kim will be back shortly. Move on to the next episode. I will not be there. (laughs) But uh, it was a pleasure being here today, and uh, we'll talk to you eventually at some point. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be back again. Oh, come on. You can do it. All right. Bye. Bye now. So we took two weeks off earlier because we were in a bind and way behind. And unfortunately, I haven't dug myself out of that bind. So we are going to take another two weeks off so we can catch up. So we'll be back in three weeks and we'll see you then. Thanks for your patience. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912 free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.